right, guys, welcome to episode number 74 of the Digital Barbell Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're just crushing through these episodes. I love it. We have a special episode today for you. We got a lot to get to, so we'll try to keep this intro short. We have an interview with Jake from Garage Gym Experiment today. We spent a long time talking through the steps of what you need to consider if you want to set up your own home gym, whether it's in your garage, your basement, what you need to look for in your space, what you need to look for for a floor. Do you need a barbell? Should you Mm -hmm. get dumbbells? How much should you spend on this? Do you need a rack? All this stuff. And how like some little hacks as far as setting all this stuff up to make it the most enjoyable space that will ultimately make you be more consistent mm-hmm. in your workouts. That's the goal. So this was a great interview. But first, let's get to our sponsor. We're sponsored by Rogue Fitness. Oh, okay. Yeah. A couple things. I like Number it. one, this is probably our favorite exercise gear mm-hmm. brand of all time, right? Yeah. When in doubt, buy Rogue. Yes. And we talk about that in this episode. Oh, cool. Also, the Rogue Invitational is in Austin yeah. this year in just a couple of weeks, right? The end, the very end is like 29 through 31. Yeah. We talked about going in person, but it's just not going to work out. I'm still considering it. Okay. Well, as of now, we're not going, but shoot. it's in Austin, but it's still about an hour and a half from where we live. But it's like basically watching the CrossFit games. I mean, when do you get that experience? That's, that's closer than California to us. So, yeah. you know, might as well, might as well go for a day or something. We'll see. It would be pretty cool. Yeah. It's not cheap though. But uh, yeah, let me get my microphone fixed. I don't know why my microphone mm. was so quiet. But anyway, that's our sponsor for the day. So welcome awesome. to the team, Rogue. Um, we're looking forward to getting some free stuff in the mail from you. <laughs> um, also, I won't slip this into the middle of the episode like I did last week, but I want to do our win of the week yeah. this week. This is something that actually came in just today from Haley with one of the clients that okay. she's coaching, and it's just too good not to talk about. So um, this message came in on one of her clients' check-ins today. Her name is Sam. We are so proud of her. We're proud of the work that she's doing with Haley. Haley has shared some of her progress and her own um, updates on Instagram and mm-hmm. stuff, but um, I want to read this comment from Sam. She said, I'm feeling so dang good. I'm also so proud of how I feel mentally. I used to be dead set on getting to 140 pounds, which was my high school weight. But I've realized that this is so much more than hitting that number. I don't even care about what number I end up at. I just want to look and feel strong. It sounds so cliche, but I'm finally realizing that it's so much more than just a weight. I feel like the possibilities are endless and I can make so many more physical goals other than a weight. It's like or like learning to snowboard or ski. So she's talking about, yeah. you know, getting out and actually doing physical things and, you know, using the progress that she's making with everything she's doing with Haley. Wow, I just love that. Yeah. I can think of several other clients who have come to this realization yeah. during this journey of just detaching their worth, detaching their emotion from some arbitrary number mm-hmm. on the scale and focusing on all the crazy positive stuff that's yeah. going on. And a lot of times this doesn't happen until you get started. You think like, oh, I need to be a goal weight. And then you get started in the process and you realize like exactly like she said, it's so much more than just like, I don't need to weigh this thing. I need to like feel good and to be able to do these things like go snowboarding, go skiing, you know, be able to be like have an active life. hundred percent. And if any nutrition coaching clients are listening to this and you have started with a goal weight and I didn't really say much about it. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why is because, uh, we realize what, when so much, so many people have so much tied up emotionally in a number on the scale and they're coming at it from a good place, you know, mentally mm-hmm. they, they think that they are, but they, they get defensive. We all tend to get defensive when somebody kind of comes at us and challenges mm-hmm. the belief system that we have. But if we, approach that in a more gradual 
manner as we Mm -hmm. do with just about everything. We start to reward the other things that are going on in addition to the scale. And we Mm -hmm. find out that those things are actually more motivating than just hitting that number on the scale. And one thing I always think about is, you know, you might imagine this number on the scale as being the thing that you're, you're going after. But the truth is when you hit that number, maybe you do feel a sense of reward. You probably will. You'll Mm -hmm. feel some positive feelings, but guess what? That journey between where you started at when you hit that number on the scale was full of all kinds Mm -hmm. of ups and downs. So what's going to happen when you wake up two days later and you step on the scale and you're a little bit heavier than that? Did you no longer reach that goal? It's, it's just a a way to reframe what progress looks like and, Mm -hmm. and reward all this other crazy, amazing stuff that's happening. And enjoying the process of getting there, not just like the waiting for that end goal. Yeah. Okay. So that's awesome. We're super Mm -hmm. proud of you, Sam. Hope you're listening to this and proud of you, Haley, for the work that you're Mm -hmm. doing with her. If you guys are interested in working with Haley, you can apply for coaching and we'll match you up with her if we feel like you're a good fit Mm -hmm. anytime. Okay. So let's get on to this interview with Jake. Um, Jake and I talked after the recording and we both felt like this went really well and we both enjoyed it. So look forward to future episodes where we give more updates on, you know, the changes in garage gym equipment and special prices and things that are going on. So we'll do that in the future also. All right. Without further ado, here we go. Okay. If you have a garage gym or you're thinking about starting one, today is your lucky day. We've got the man with the plan and the information you need to make the most of your space and your hard-earned money and avoid the pitfalls that can come along with building out your own garage gym. Jake's the owner of Garage Gym Experiment, and he's our guest today. Welcome to the podcast, Jake. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. I'm excited about this. So tell our listeners what Garage Gym Experiment is and kind of how it became to be. Yeah, Garage Gym Experiment is is basically a website and social media platform um, designed to help home gym owners make the, the decisions they need to make the their home gym as uh, their home gym right for them, basically. Yeah. <laughs> when did you uh, when did you start the Garage Gym Experiment? Yeah, so I. Uh, Garage Gym Experiment is probably about four and a half years old. Um, so I started back in two, 2017 um, and it's kind of evolved into how, what it is today, but it started off as just a basic blog and social media account um, with no real plan um, as to how it's going to evolve over time. But um, it's grown steadily over the last uh, four and a half years. and I feel like it's a pretty good resource for anybody looking to start a home gym. Absolutely, man. And last I checked, you had, I think a little over 200,000 followers on Instagram alone right now. Right. Which is pretty insane. I'm sure when you started that number wasn't even something on your radar. Yeah, I don't really remember. Um, but no, I think if you told me um, about close to five years later that it'd be 200,000 followers, I would be very, very shocked. Do you keep track of any of your web analytics to see how your website has grown over the years too? Yeah, it's, um, it's basically gone from zero traffic to, um, a decent amount of traffic, especially to the right pages. Um, yeah. so, um, especially within this past, uh, couple of years, um, it's there, there's been more focus on it and it's a little more concise. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's it, that's just also a, grown. Yeah, just a steady ramp up, I assume, with maybe a bit of a tick up in twenty twenty. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was very steady, um, steady growth, and then COVID. COVID. I think. Um, I think this was always going to happen, um, but I think it bumped up the schedule for like the importance of home gyms by like. 10 years. So <laughs> like everybody is aware of what you can do with the home gym now. Yeah. Whereas before COVID, I, I don't think it was on the radar of a, quite a bit of people. Yeah, definitely. That, that makes sense. I agree with that. So uh, one thing I've noticed on your account on Instagram is that sometimes over the weekend, you'll post a, del- a picture of a delicious IPA mm-hmm. or something like that along with your barbell. Is there any plans to start like the garage beer experiment also? Well, there is a Slam Bars Than Brews Instagram page. Um, is that yours also? Yeah, that's, okay. <laughs> that is. It's uh, titled The Abandoned Child of Garage Gym Experiment. It does not get quite as much love, and uh, the engagements on those posts aren't great. But um, it's. Uh, I think it's a pretty good symbol of the freedom that a home gym um, can give you, where like, if you're at a typical uh corporate gym you can't just pop open a beer turn on football and watch tv after your workout so yeah i mean maybe planet fitness has that in the works i don't know but as of now (laughs) yeah oh man all right so before we get into the specifics of building out a garage gym um there's definitely a sense of community i feel like among garage gym owners and maybe that's uh, been amplified in the last couple of years but I'm assuming you noticed the same thing why do you think that is and do you think it's a special kind of person who wants to work out in a garage gym at home yeah you're right there is definitely a, a unique community feel um, I would say kind of like how you're if you go to a, a, a different gym you have a community within that gym this is kind of like the garage gym community as a whole um, kind of has their own. And it's really like if someone there, some people post on Instagram while others don't, but if, if you do have a, a focused Instagram account for garage gyms, or it's just one of your big hobbies, if you come across something that helps you, um, you're very, li- it's very likely that that will get passed on to the, the community for free. Like everyone's always kind of, giving their tips and tricks as to what makes um, for the, for like just a a good, people are always looking to save money, always making, looking to kind of replicate what they have in commercial gyms. So if you come across anything like that, um, others really appreciate that free advice that you give out. Everybody's always willing to help out. I've found that for sure. Right. And they're always looking to, um, give their opinions about equipment they've received or where, where's the good deal trying to pass that along and just trying yeah. to look out for the other home gym owners. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of people maybe are afraid to go from a commercial gym or a group class to a garage gym because they're, they think that they'll struggle with motivation um, because maybe there's a little bit less accountability what do you say to that person who's afraid to even go down the road of building out a gym for that reason? Uh, for somebody with that mindset, um, if they're uncertain about a home gym, I would say um, 
that it's a process that you need to figure out for yourself. So whenever I recommend, if someone's, if someone would ask me if they should start a home gym or not, it just really depends on that person. Um, while I think a home gym can benefit everybody, it's whether or not you're going to ultimately make that complete leap into only home gyms versus going to another gym. So uh, back to your question, um, what would I say to somebody, right? <laughs> well, what's kind of the process? Um, I always say start small. So yeah. keep your gym membership and buy a couple things, um, maybe a barbell, some plates, or a bench and a pair of dumbbells, or just a pair of dumbbells and a kettlebell. Some Anything like that. Uh, you can do it for under a couple hundred bucks, a jump rope even. Um, and do a couple workouts a week at home or, um, on days that you're especially busy, um, make, make, uh, instead of taking two hours to go to the gym, try and get a workout in at home. So, yep. so start small and then decide whether you want to continue or not. I don't think like if, if someone starts a home gym with just a few pieces of equipment that they're going to ultimately sell it. It'll probably just mean that they, they'll, um, keep a hybrid approach to, to the gym. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with, with going to like home gym owners don't hate people that go to commercial gyms. We like, we just think that like you should have that option if you yeah. want to. Yeah. It could be something that ultimately make, makes you more consistent on a day where you don't have the hour to go, you know, or maybe the hour and a half of when you include the drive time and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, right. it can, it could be a, it might be a tool to actually lead you to be more consistent. Yeah. Well, you meant, you mentioned, uh, starting small and I, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this episode to your website for sure. Cause you have a killer walkthrough of basically going through this whole process. And really the first thing on the list is, uh, talking about like, what are the bare bones things that you might need in order to start small. So let's kind of talk about what some of those things are. You already talked about the importance of starting small because you know, you're kind of testing it out to make sure you're going to be consistent with it. So I think one of the first things on the list is figuring out where you're going to do this. What kind of space do you recommend somebody look for in their house or in their garage if they're going to start to go down this road? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, most people, most people end up choosing either a garage or a basement. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a ton of space, um, but you most likely don't want to end up having to move it um, from a, like if you're going to get a rack or something, you don't really want to move the entire rack. So you want a space that like you can expand upon. So if it's in the garage, find a corner next to uh, storage where hopefully if you need to expand, you can move the storage to a different spot in the house, something like that. And all, and like a few other things like um, concrete floors are ideal. So you can cover them with some different flooring. Um, if you're going to be doing barbell types of stuff. Um, if you have a garage, the option to choose a garage that has a nine foot ceiling, versus your basement that has a six and a half foot ceiling, you might want to just go with the, go with the garage option. So mm -hmm. certain things like that. Um, yeah. I think that's, a, 
that's an overlooked thing is the ceiling height. <laughs> I remember our, um, our garage gym in Houston, the ceiling was, was pretty darn high. It was definitely high enough to get a barbell with plates on it overhead at the highest point. But one thing people don't think about is that half of your garage is going to be covered when the door is open and your ceiling height mm -hmm. is going to be like a foot lower. We ended up putting a roll up garage door on that house to save all that space. But uh, if you're at home and you're listening to this, think about if in your garage, how much space your garage door is going to take up also. It's yeah. It's also interesting too. every, I would say four or five months. Um, so we do a lot of surveys with um, mm -hmm. the community um, and that actually gets a ton of data. So typically we'll get up to 12,000 people responding to survey questions. Um, okay which is pretty substantial. Um, and that's, that kind of also leans into like your people just taking the time to help other home gym owners. But yeah. nevertheless, um, one of the questions usually asked about four or five, every four or five months or so is like, what's your biggest home gym regret? Um, the, a little off topic, but the first one is, um, is usually just not starting sooner. Um, so, so like they just put it off too long, but since we're talking about space, another one is like, people just mentioned, they wish they would have bought a different house. So they, <laughs> they didn't like foresee that they'd ultimately want a home gym. So they wish they would have bought that house with a third car garage or the basement or whatever. So it's, it is important. And I, I see this as a trend going forward. Like people are going to value a house where they can put a, a home gym. Yeah. Think about this. When you buy a house, you're, you're paying for the house based on the square footage of the house, which does not include the space of the garage. So like you said, if you're shopping, if you're shopping for a house anyway, go ahead and, you know, factor in how big the garage is. Cause that's free square footage. <laughs> yeah. Go for the bigger ones. Use the three car garage, three or four car garage filter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Filter by number of bathrooms and number of spaces in your garage. Yeah. Um, another thing on the space side, and this kind of goes into like planning ahead is what do you think the minimum amount of square footage you should start or the minimum size you should consider based on, you know, how big some of the equipment we're going to get into is? Uh, minimum size, I would say. Um, I mean, within a, t a 10 by 10 square feet, you have the ability to, um, put in a power rack. I mean, depending on your workout style, you can, a uh, power rack is a larger rack than you, most people need anyways, but you can do a power rack, a bench, um, dumbbells, kettlebells all within a 10 by 10 space and probably even throw in a piece of cardio equipment. So yeah. like you really don't need a ton of space, um, especially to start. Yeah. Um, and then that just goes into like the amount of space you have and equipment also goes into kind of what we were talking about earlier. If, if like, you know, you don't have a lot of space, you can still have a, a workout spot. And then you can still go to a, a gym for 20, 30 bucks a month. Um, so 
Yeah, really a standard person. A standard size barbell is what about seven feet long? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So that a ten by ten room would buy you a foot and a half on either side to to get in there and put the plates on and and potentially mm-hmm. not bust not bust a hole in the wall if you're doing you know some Olympic lifting or something like yeah. that. And and for the most part, you're able to. Most people are able to store the barbell, store the plates on either the rack or a wall. So it it, sh- it has the ability to be a, a clean, concise 10 by 10 square foot area. Yeah. And another thing to think about with that size is can you can you pick a space where your 10 by 10 room, for example, opens up to a larger space that you can also use. Well, you know, that might be your driveway. That might be an adjacent room where you can step over to and do some dumbbell thrusters or whatever that isn't part of your main workout space. Right. So, uh, so if we're going to get strong, we're going to need some weight. (laughs) What are your thoughts on starting with either dumbbells or a barbell and plates? Uh, it, it depends on your training style. Um, I think for most people, if they, if they have, um, six or 700 bucks set aside, um, you can get quite a bit, uh, you can get a good barbell and a set of plates. So I would, I would say get a set of a barbell and a set of plates because you can squat, bench, deadlift, row, do just like any sort of movement, uh, cleans. You can, I guess you can do the same with, uh, dumbbells, but Feel a barbell is a little bit more versatile in my opinion. So I would yeah. go, I would go with that. And then like, but for really it's whatever you're going to use the most. Um, so <laughs> like, if you like, if you like using dumbbells or you like kettlebells or steel maces, get that first, like do yeah. whatever you're going to use most. I love that answer. That definitely goes along with our, something is better than nothing theology yeah. that we always preach. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, start with whichever one fits your style of training better, which you think you will use more and which you will end up being the most consistent with. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever you can build around as well. So like whatever you buy first should be something that you build around. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. A little bit of future planning goes a long way, even though we're starting small, kind of having an idea of where you might want to take this is always good. Mm -hmm. Let's get into a super hot topic that um there's tons of options in let's talk about barbells uh we love barbells <laughs> how many barbells have you tested in the last five years um <laughs> probably 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 getting close to like 50 wow or so yeah wow so what would you recommend just for the basic general physical preparedness client of ours to look for in a barbell or is there any specific ones that are a really good deal right now for what you get? Yeah, to be honest, um, if you stick with one of the major brands or, I mean, most of the barbells are relatively the same these days. They're just kind of um, packaged with a different brand. Um, There are a few companies that you just can't go wrong with like Rogue. Um, you can definitely get a good bar from rogue for like, if you're, if you're doing some sort of CrossFit workouts where you want like, um, to the ability to, for the bar to spin, um, you can get an Ohio bar for under $300 an echo bar for a little bit cheaper. And then, um, if you're not doing CrossFit or, um, any Olympic movements, I'd recommend an, uh, a power bar, um, can't go wrong with a rogue Ohio power bar. 
There are another a number of other options where you can save maybe 30, 40, 50 bucks. Um, that'll also do the job. But for the most part, I would say if you, if you want a guaranteed decent bar, just get a rogue bar. Yeah. They're made in America. They're, they have great customer service if you ever do run into any issues. So I couldn't, couldn't agree more on that. I was, I was going to bring up their customer service if you didn't for sure. We have yeah. experience with all of those bars that you just mentioned. And if somebody's listening to this and they don't understand the thing about um, talking about the bar spinning and stuff, what Jake was talking about is on the ends of the bar where you slide the weights on those, I think they're called sleeves, correct? The part where the weights go on. Yeah. So those on some bars spin more easily than others. And the point of them spinning is so that when you're doing things like cleans and snatches so that you don't end up ripping your hands <laughs> off as the momentum of the lift wants to, you know, to keep the weight moving, mm -hmm. this lets the weight spin independently. So that's definitely something you want to look for in a bar. If you go to most, um, you know, gold's gym or planet fitness or whatever, those bars are probably not going to have a lot of spin on the collar, which is why if you've ever tried to, to use them, it's awkward. So that's, that's what we mean by that. And then another thing to bring up with barbells is they typically come in two different weights or really four different weights. If we want to get super particular, either measured in pounds or measured in kilos. And there'll be a, um, somewhere around a 44 or 45 pound version and then a, around a 35 pound version, which has a smaller diameter on that bar, the part of the bar that you grip. And sometimes that's referred to as a women's bar because typically women's hands are a little smaller. Anything I missed on that? That, that covers the basics. There's, <laughs> there's some other differences between a power bar and a multi-purpose bar, but really if you're going to be doing any Olympic movements, you'll want either a multi-purpose or a, or an Olympic weightlifting bar. If that's what you do primarily versus if you're just, if you're just doing general strength training and uh, I, I prefer a, a power bar. So, yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say like, as, as I focused on strength training, about six years ago, I had to go out and purposely buy a, a power bar like you're talking about to get the center neural, which is basically that, that part in between the parts where you grip the bar. So there's a typically on an Olympic bar that's smooth. And if you're doing heavy back squats, I can kind of slide down your shirt after mm -hmm. a long, heavy set. So, um, a power bar will typically have a, a part that will grip your shirt better in the middle of the bar. So if you're out there squatting three or 400 pounds, you might want to look into a power bar. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which I'm sure Jake is too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that covers it on barbells. Uh, we both agree that rogue is a pretty much a no brainer for the money and for the customer service and the quality. Let's talk about what we're going to put on the barbell in order to help us get stronger, some weights. Um, so it used to be that cast iron plates were the cheapest option. I don't know if they are anymore with the price of gym equipment kind of being a little bit crazy over the last couple of years. Um, what are your thoughts on going cast iron plates versus bumper plates for the general person out there? I think for the general person, it's worth it to get bumper plates, um, which are a little bit more important, more expensive than iron. Um, but I, I personally like they're, they're a little quieter. They're a little bit easier to move, maneuver around. Um, and most, most people aren't loading up the bar so much that the, 
that the you run out of space on the sleeve. Um, if you really need to save a few dollars, um, you can't really beat, um, you can't, or you find something on like the used marketplace. Um, you can typically, not typically, you used to be able to find iron plates for pretty cheap on uh, Craigslist and Facebook. Um, but you, I mean, if you really need to save some money, um, iron will do the job if you're not doing Olympic movements. Um, and then if you're into like powerlifting or you are like really strong squatting four or five, 600 pounds um, regularly, then um, get iron would be the best. You can also do a mix too. So like if you if you just get like one pair of 45 pound bumpers and then use iron for the rest, it will help with some noise. Um, but I mean, typically uh, bumper plates are the choice for most. And within our surveys, it's, it's usually about uh, three, three, P, three out of every five choose bumper over iron. Yeah, I can, that makes sense. I think one thing, um, we got to bring up is if you're working out at home and you're working off your floor doing deadlifts and things like that, if you go out and buy a cast iron set, all the plates are going to be different in diameters. So unless you're ready to start deadlifting at 135 pounds, don't go buy a set of iron plates. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to be hurting your back because you're in a weird position or you end up rigging up all kinds of funky things to get the bar up higher off the ground. That's the advantage. Another advantage of bumper plates besides not um, annoying your neighbors is that they're all the same diameter and they put the bar at the right height, no matter if you got yeah. 65 pounds on there or 135 pounds. Yeah. And then like Jake said, like think about searching for used cast iron plates in your change plates, you know, your, your tens, your fives, your two and a halves. And that, that brings up another thing that I think a lot of people overlook when they go buy weights. A lot of these sets of weights, if you go buy a, a set, they don't come with two and a half pound plates in the metal ones, at least. So as you get stronger, you might not always be ready to get 10 pounds stronger every time. Yeah. You, you might only want to be one to get five pounds stronger between mm -hmm. workouts. So no matter what you do, bumper plates or metal, go get you some two and a halves because you're going to need those. Um, and there's a million different kinds of bumper plates out there on the market, right? Anything specific you recommend people looking for or any, um, good deals that you've seen out there? I, I, I think the, probably the best value, some of the best value options would be wrap. Um, rogues are a little bit more pricey, but really most bumper plates are bumper plates. Um, I wouldn't ever go out and buy from a brand that you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. But um, you also don't need, most people in a home gym don't need competition bumper plates or anything like that. The, the basic black ones will do the job. Um, yeah, I agree with that. There's something else I was going to bring up about bumpers, but it, but it slipped my mind. If I think of it, we'll come back to it. Another kind of plate some people might not think about are the fractional plates. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our clients, like they'll be doing, you know, building up in strength from week to week, but even a five pound jump might be a little bit too much. And these fractionals go from, what do they go from like a pound down to what? Yeah. Uh, like I think I have a set that's like one pound, 
0. 0.75, 0. 0.5, and even 0.25, I think. Yeah. So you, um, you know, gain in half a pound of strength is still making gains. So yeah. these can, especially on movements like overhead press and bench press, so the smaller muscle groups. So if you got the money, for some reason they're really expensive per pound. So try not right. to think about it from that perspective. Oh yeah, I remember the other question is what's a general price range um, people should expect to see on bumper plates? They're kind of priced per pound, aren't they? Ooh, that's kind of changed. Um, <laughs> a lot that of things has definitely that. gone up recently. Um, let's see. I, I would say like between two and three bucks a pound, something like yeah, that. Yeah, between two and three bucks. Um, I would say like closer to two would okay. probably be the right price. Um, I can, I can look real quick. And then, you know, for most people, you should look at probably getting a pair of 45s. I would recommend skipping the 35s, one pair of 25s, one or two pairs of 10s. And you could probably make a lot of progress right there. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I would, you can, you'll, you'll, you're able to save, um, if you're able to get a set at first, um, and back to the price, I would say it is probably closer to closer to two pounds, uh, $2 a pound for bumper plates. If it's closer to three, I just would try and stay away if price mm -hmm. is a concern. Um, but I think, yeah, uh, if, if you're, uh, trying to just get the basic, um, the basic amount, I, I'd say depend uh, again, it depends on how much you're lifting, but a couple 45s, um, 125 and one pair of 10s maybe to start. And then you can kind of gradually grow. I'm not, I actually don't know what you said. That's okay. <laughs> I was I, looking I, at the test. I pretty much said skip the 35s and the 15s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are probably some of the least used plates in a gym. So like like Jake said, if, if price is an object, which I assume it is for most people, um, yeah, skip the 35s and 15s. Well, I, I know my, my, my wife, a lot of her wads, she uses 15s um, to pair with her 35-pound bar, barbell to get to 65. So... That's a great point. It just depends. Yeah. Think about what you're going to be lifting on a regular basis. And yeah. And if anybody doesn't know, the reason that is, is because the 10 pound bumper plates are quite thin. And mm -hmm. if you drop, if you drop the bar, it has a tendency to like shoot across the room, potentially through your wall or into somebody's legs. So the 15s are a lot more stable if you were mm -hmm. to drop the bar. So that might be a reason to pick up a pair of 15s. Um, yeah. Let's talk about flooring because I think this is something that's overlooked a lot, but it really is a game changer both for, for when you're working out and the presentation of your gym. And I think just the overall like willingness to go out there and spend time is having a nice floor. You agree with that? I do. And I would say that like if somebody was to ask me what's the biggest mistake you've made as you've grown your home gym, I would say it's, it's uh, waiting too long to get good flooring. Um, I think I, I bought quite a few, too many items before I ended up filling it up with flooring. So I, I, I started with the bare bones as well and slowly but surely grew it. And by the time I had a rack and some barbells and plates, I, I was still using like carpet and puzzle mats that we had like from before. 
And yeah. then I remember, I remember adding in four horse stall mats and it made the biggest difference. And then later added four more and it made the biggest difference again. It was, it was like a completely new gym and um, it wasn't, it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't like crazy expensive. If you stick with horse stall mats, yeah. which have also gone up in price as well. Um, but yeah, well, I think when, when we uh, outfitted Blakely's gym, we paid $40 a piece for about a hundred of them. Uh, what are they at now? Yeah, I 45. think if you're able to get them from Tractor Supply, they're they're closer to 50. Oh, wow. Okay. And then um, if you get them delivered, Rep, Rep offers uh, a delivery option, but you have to you have to buy quite a bit to make it worth worth the the price so but it sounds are, like it sounds like we're both recommending for a beginner somebody building out their gym that this is probably the the simplest way to go is the horse stall mats from a local tractor supply place these are essentially a three-quarter inch thick piece of rubber in a four by six sheet and it weighs way more than you think it's going to weigh <laughs> Yeah, it it protects your floor really well. Um, and then like if you end up moving, if you just shift your gym, um, you can move those pretty, like they're they're heavy, but you can move those as well uh, compared to like getting a roll, which has yep. to stick, stay there forever. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think horse stall mats do the job for 99% of the home gyms. Another little pro tip here is Tractor Supply Company also sells this tool called the Easy Grip, which we knew nothing about when we were moving 100 mats around. But our neighbor here in Texas had one and let us borrow it. And it's basically this handle that you slide onto the end of the, the mat and it gives you a place to grip the darn thing and pull it with one arm instead of tearing up your fingers and your hands trying to mess with them by hand. So there you go. Look for one of those. If you're, if you're building out your gym, what's the easiest way you found to cut horse stall mats? Cause they're notoriously difficult to cut. Yeah. I've had some issues cutting them. Um, but just if, if you get a good razor blade, you can do it. You can, you need a little bit, a little bit of patience with the razor blade method. Um, some leather mm -hmm. gloves. Another trick I found that works pretty well is if you can lay the, the mat up across two boxes that are level with each other with a very small gap in between them. Mm. You put your cut line over that gap between the boxes and you can run a jigsaw down there. Uh, the, the key is to have that gap between the boxes really small. So that it keeps the mat from vibrating. Uh -huh. a ton. So that's a little, have to try that. it works. It works. Same thing. Like if you need to cut a hole to go around something, you can use a jigsaw for that. But um, yeah, trial and error on that one for sure. All right, so we both agree that horse stall mats are probably the way to go, even though they're heavy. Definitely, yeah. if you they're about a hundred pounds a piece, so take that into consideration when you uh, take your vehicle over to Tractor Supply Company. And don't even think about putting them in an SUV or something like that. You need a pickup truck because they're a beast to move around. Once you get, if you try to put mm -hmm. in the back of an SUV, you might get the first one in, and then your life's going to become really miserable really quick as you try to add more on top of that. Okay. Flooring. We're in agreement on that. Okay. So now we've got the barbell, we've got weights. Let's talk about like a rig 
or a rack, something that we can do squats and bench presses on. Tell everybody the difference between a, a power rack and a squat rack and what you recommend people look for on those. Uh, so uh, a power rack typically has um, at least four posts um, where you are able to squat within or bent, squat bench or whatever within the rack. Um, it's a, the the safest option out there um, versus a squat stand um, where there's just two posts um, and um, since you you can use spotter arms though for safety um, in the middle you have in the middle of those you have a, a half rack where it's likely it's to have four posts but you're really only using two posts um, to bench or squat with. The, the back posts are typically for storage. Um, so it, it's kind of a in-between, a little more stable than your standard squat rack. Um, and then pros and cons. Um, I guess the, the, the pros of the power rack is it's probably the safest. Most versatile, you can add um, quite a bit of attachments, um, anything from like maybe even a lat pull down to um, landmine. You can do you can do it on do uh, landmine on a few different things, but um, it basically makes it the easiest. And there's more room to add attachments. Um, so a lot of people, which which helps you really recreate a a lot of the movements you might be able to do at a commercial gym within yeah. a rack. Um, squat stands that are basically what you're going to be able to do is squat bench and use the J cups as for pressing or whatever you need to, whatever mm -hmm. you need to do with the barbell. Um, in, in my opinion, it's, it's still very safe as long as you have spider arms. And then same thing with the, the half rack. I, I think the half rack's going to be pretty safe as well, as long yeah. as you have spotter arms. Um, and in my personal opinion, um, for most people, a half rack's the best option. Okay. Um, especially for those, especially for those with limited space. If you have the space and budget, um, go for a power rack. Like those are the, the coolest. They're they're the uh the most versatile but if space is a as a consideration um and you want to be able to fill it fill your gym with some other stuff maybe it'd be um an air bike or rower mm -hmm. or another strength machine um I'd, I'd go for a half rack um that's interesting yeah I, i've never really um recommended a half rack to to clients when they've asked, but that makes a lot of sense because you have all those little horizontal posts that stick off the back set of, um, vertical posts that you can store your plates on. And, uh, you probably get a pull-up bar on a, yeah. um, on a half rack. That makes a lot of sense. Um, maybe let me explain one thing in case somebody's confused about the safety, why, why a power rack might be safer. Um, first of all, it's going to, you're supposed to bolt them to the ground, which makes them safer. They're, and just the fact that they have four posts makes it much less likely that it's going to tip over than a, than a squat stand. 
Uh, <laughs> I was actually, I hung some rings from our rogue squat stand yesterday and I was just going to do some ring rows, not thinking about it. And as soon mm -hmm. as I went, as soon as I started to lay down, the whole thing started to tip over and I remembered, yeah, you actually, I've never attached rings to the pull-up bar on this thing before. Mm -hmm. So, um, a power rack is safer in that respect. Plus the advantage of the power rack is you have those four vertical posts and then you have these, these big long bars that go between the posts and those act as the, the safety. Like if you were to fail a back squat or fail a bench press, the bar would land down on those adjustable, um, bars in between the posts. Whereas like Jake said, on a, on a standalone squat rack, you would need to purchase separate like safety attachments that you would put on the post, which they're heavy. They're a little awkward to move around the gym. They take up space in storage. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense um, as to why the, the power rack is a better option from a, a safety perspective if you got the space. Yeah, and I and I think if you're if you're getting a a, a half rack or a squat stand that connects, so it's oh, it's connected. It's not just two posts that you randomly put and put the barbell yeah. on. Um, and you get a safety spotter arms. It's still unless you're doing if you're being stupid. Um, like sure, sure, like freak accidents can happen, um, but uh, they're 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 safe as safe as long as you get the strong posts. Um, yep. If you're able to get a rack with three by three posts, those are rock solid. A rock, yeah. a half rack is rock solid with three by three posts. So, yeah, I've I've failed a three hundred and fifty pound squat onto a three by three rogue squat stand with their three by three safety arms and live to tell about it. So yeah, the safety yeah. arms are, are safe for sure. Uh, what about the options that fold up against the wall? You have any experience with those? Um, I've never, I've, I've been in gyms with them, but I've never actually done used one. Um, those are, those work as well, work well too. Um, in my experience, I've moved my gym around quite a bit. Um, but if you know that you are going to keep your gym there, um, you're going to keep your squat. You want to keep your squat there. That's, that's also a great option to save some space. And if you're getting, if you're getting the once from rogue or PRX, uh, even Titan, um, or rep, those should be pretty solid as well with the three yeah. by three posts. I'm assuming you bring up the thing about moving it around because it's a pretty involved process of like attaching the wood stringer up to the wall, bolting it to the studs and then all there's, it's a lot, there's a lot involved. There's, it ain't just yeah, like, and some, some people don't want to deal with that, doing that correctly, <laughs> yeah. like having the pressure of doing that correctly. If you, <laughs> it's a bit, it's not just putting together a squat rag. It's a bit of a construction project to install one of those yeah. things. So if you're not handy, mm -hmm. then I would steer clear of the, the wall mount options unless you, um, it comes with installation, then go for it. Yeah. Uh, how much should somebody look to spend on a basic squat stand or a power rack? Um, I mean, you can get, you can get a, a power rack, uh, that you can without question trust and it'll last a lifetime for a thousand bucks. Okay. 
Um, you can also get a basic power rack. Um, for example, the rep PR 1100, you can get that for, I think right now that's probably between $350 and $400. Um, it's not the three by three posts that we mentioned, but it'll do the job for 98% of home gym owners. It'll last 10 to 20 years. Um, my, it could last longer. Um, I'm not, I don't, <laughs> you can't predict the future, but that'll do the job as well. Um, for, for, like I said, 350 to 400 bucks. And, um, if you end up upgrading, you can probably sell that for depending on its condition, 75% of what you paid for it, you yeah. know? So it's not like it's, uh, you don't necessarily have to, it's cheaper than a new phone to get a power app. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny perspective, but so true. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not something that a lot of people can just buy on a whim, but, but it's doable now. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we've got the, we've got bars, we've got plates, we've got a, a rack. Um, we need a bench if, unless we're just going to ignore our bench press, but there's a lot you can do with a bench besides bench. Also. Um, what do you think? Should somebody start out with a flat bench an adjustable bench, anything that is people you've seen people regret in buying a bench that they can avoid by getting it right the first time. Yeah. I, I personally think, and the survey results back it up that um, just going with an adjustable bench to begin with is going to be a better option. Um, it's also not something you want to necessarily go really cheap on, um, considering you might be benching alone at home. Um, so the fact that you don't want, you don't want to go really cheap and you want an adjustable bench, um, the, a really good option for right around $300 is the rep AB 3000. Um, and that's a bench, you know, that'll last 10, 20 years. Um, no issues. You should be very comfortable benching lots of weight on it. Um, even when you're by yourself, you know, but, um, yeah, so an adjustable bench over a flat bench. Um, but if you don't want to, if you have, if you have $200 that you're ready to spend and you need a bench, you can get a, a pretty solid flat bench for 200 bucks too. Or if you're, again, if you're going to a commercial gym and you can use your commercial gym days to do incline bench. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. I, I've, bought cheap benches before and have regretted it. It's like when you're about a cheap adjustable bench and you can just tell when you're putting it together that the gauge of the metal is thin. Uh, mm -hmm. the, con the connection points seem kind of weak. The welds look a little shady. So totally agree. Um, don't skimp on the quality of your yeah, bench. There, there, there are definitely some areas on this list. If you're getting rings or even dumbbells or kettlebells that you can get like the cheaper, options but thinking about benching alone on a cheap bench is kind of yeah. terrifying terrifying so <laughs> that's one where you don't want to skimp save yeah. up to that bench i agree and the the uh it's probably maybe a silly point but the padding of the bench makes a difference in 
the way it feels when you're benching too. And you're going to get um, a better experience out of a quality bench as far as the pad that comes on there right out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the miscellaneous kind of stuff. Um, my wife Blakely owned a CrossFit gym and we used a lot of different kinds of things that we haven't talked about so far. Um, you know, things like boxes, pull up bar, ab mats, and slam balls. Um, have you tested out a lot of the padded boxes? I know a lot of our clients have asked about those and we, we only have wood boxes here at our gym. Yeah. I, I personally think the best, the best, um, plyo box for a home gym owner is the rep three in one soft plyo box. It is much easier on the joints than a wooden option. Um, and it's not too price. I think it's probably, I think it's under $200. Um, okay. So it's not like, so you can get a wooden box for under a hundred dollars. I think if, um, probably a, a build it yourself one off Amazon comes yeah. flat packed like Ikea furniture. Yeah. But so, yeah, so I definitely recommend going, going with something like that, but be wary of the two soft options. Those can like uh, Titans mm-hmm. and uh, Bells of Steel makes one that's pr- like r- real soft and they're pretty, uh, pretty unstable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say, yeah, find like something like the rep one where it, it's, it's actually a wooden box and it's covered with some sort of foam. And yeah. yeah. Feel sorry for the Amazon guy when uh, we order things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, a pull-up bar, you know, like we mentioned, a lot of these pull-up, um, I mean, a lot of these squat stands and power racks come with a pull-up bar, but I'm a big fan. And I think you are too, of having a dedicated place for pull-ups other than, than the rack for a lot of different reasons. Uh, more people can use it at a, t- at a time. Um, and there's a lot you can do with a pull-up bar other than pull-ups too. Uh, what are your current thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, a pull-up bar is definitely, you could buy a pull-up bar first or all the way through to where we're talking about right now in the list. Uh, Like you said, you can do a lot more. You can attach bands to it. You Mm can um, get a full body workout with pull-up bar and movement, like air air movements. Yeah. and you can get like the the wall mounted pull up bar from Titans is like eighty bucks, so like and that's a really nice one. Really, it's, it's the same as Rogues basically, mm-hmm. um, for example. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend a pull up bar. That would probably be not, that might be number one on my list of, as to all of these kind of. Uh, accessory options that you kind of just add to as you're building out the home gym. Um, these are a little, these can be a little bit of a construction project to install. Also, um, I've seen people just basically they're a triangular bracket with a hole at the end that's going to stick out and you just pass a metal pipe through the the two holes of the bracket. So, uh, you have some flexibility about how wide the thing is going to be. Um, and mm-hmm. I've seen people just attach the brackets to the studs, you know, whether they have sheetrock or not. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of that style. I prefer to put up a wood stringer across multiple studs and then a, attach it to that. So there is a little bit of labor 
involved in doing this, but I think overall it's worth it. Even if you have to pay somebody a little bit to do it, if you're not handy or just send one of us a message and we'll explain to you how to do it. <laughs> yeah. They, they actually gotten a few different pull-up bars and the instructions. Not great. Every time. <laughs> sounds I, like, a, sounds like a tutorial video in the making. Yeah. And like rogue makes you get your own hardware. So, Oh really? At least they did when I, got mine probably a year ago actually so. now that you now that you mention it you're right because we use these uh in the crossfit gym and we had 10 pairs of these triangular brackets so that all the pull-up bars in the gym were wall mount mm -hmm. and i had to go out now that you mentioned it, i remember trying to go out and find lag screws for all these yeah. different pull-up yeah. bars but yeah I guess and it releases them of the liability but when it comes to i was starting to get to this but i I lost my train of thought earlier. But when it comes to all these accessories we've mentioned earlier, buy what you'll what you think you'll use most. Um, there's not necessarily like um, a standard order for everybody to. You have to get a plyo box first, then a pull-up mm -hmm. bar. It's really whatever you'll use most um, if you are following us some sort of training module. What are you going to use most in your training? Yeah. What's going to add the most variety for you? Because yeah. um, I think like if you're, if you're following this list and you go with the barbell route rack, you'll eventually want to start adding in a few different other options to add some variety. So I think most of our clients that are going to listen to this, um, they start out with dumbbells um, and then they progress to barbells just generally because they get, strong enough to, and they yeah. learn that, learn the technique with the dumbbells and then they're ready to move on to the barbells. Um, do you have any opinions about where somebody should start with dumbbells? You, you got the adjustable ones in several different flavors. You got the, the ones with the rubber ends, you got metal ones, you got the, the one pound ones at target. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally a fan of, um, just traditional hex. I think rep makes the best dumbbells with their fully knurled option. I like the fully knurled rep dumbbells the best out of everything I've used, especially considering the price. Um, and, and I would rather have a few pairs of traditional hex dumbbells um, of the weights that I think I'm going to use the most as compared to a set of adjustable. Um, if I'm not ready to buy a complete set of dumbbells. Um, they're just the most comfortable. Um, you don't have to worry about adjusting them. Um, they are a little more durable. Um, and like if you look into like power blocks, they're, they're a little, they're bulky to use. So I'm, I am a big fan of um, traditional hex. And I, um, when we do our surveys, um, it is primarily traditional hex dumbbells and pretty closely fo followed by adjustable dumbbells. And then way back, way back on the list are loadable dumbbells, which are just the, the dumbbell handle and you attach your change plates to that. Um, not a huge fan of those. Those are also bulky <laughs> and you have to, probably do the most work to get them loaded every time and you have to have the weights. And if you don't, it ends up being pretty expensive anyways. Yeah. So. Do it, try doing a heavy set of dumbbell bench press with those plate loadable 
yeah. dumbbells. See how that feels on your thigh as you, as you sit yeah. back. I, uh, the heaviest dumbbells we have here at the house are 75 pounds. So when I want to go heavier than that, I have to use the plate loadable ones. And I've actually found the easiest way is to set the handle on one of the J clips of the squat rack down low and then simultaneously slide equal weights on each side so that it doesn't tip over. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, if, if space and money allow, I completely agree, you know, that the adjustables don't take up a lot of space, but there's a ton of, like you said, inconvenience factor. I've learned that some of these things are really difficult to change in five pound increments. Like if I write somebody's workout and you know, they're, they got five exercises and it's like, one is at 15 pounds, one is at 30 pounds or like, can I do this at 25 pounds? Because it's actually really hard for some reason to, yeah. Adjust. So I didn't, you know, um, uh, frustration factor long-term, if you can afford it, try to get the, uh, adjust, the, the non-adjustable, like you said, the rubber hex. Yeah. I never used the rep, but that sounds good. I'll look that, I'll look it up because there are some weights that we still need in between also. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you don't have to start out with the entire set, get the ones that you're going to use most frequently. You don't have to get every five pound increment. Maybe you'd be yeah. fine with 15s, 20s, and then 30s. Maybe you don't need the 25s, or maybe you need 25, then 35, and you don't need the 30s. Just, you know, get consistent, find out what you need, and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of my, let's talk about some tips that we've probably both learned in having multiple garage gyms or in moving things around and learning from experience. One of my favorite tips to get people is as you're building out your space, get as much of the stuff as you can up off of the floor and hung on the walls. It both clears up the floor space. You get less cobwebs. It's easier to, to mop and clean and it's just more enjoyable. I, I assume yeah. that that you, I would, I would say that. Yeah. I, I've also learned that it kind of the same, the same sort of feeling I had with horse stall mats. When you add those, like you don't really, it's not something you'll really appreciate until you actually have your weights off the floor. Yeah. So it makes a huge difference. And this could be as simple as going down to Home Depot and getting some three and a half inch sheetrock screws and going around your garage and just driving some screws into the wall. And that's where you hang little miscellaneous things like bands or attachments for your pulley machine or whatever. It just gets it up off the floor and makes the space feel cleaner uh-huh. and better for almost no money. Any yeah. other little tips like that that you've found in setting up your space, maybe around air movement or music or lighting or anything? Oh yeah. I mean, the more, the more you can make it into a room that's not, that's like a place you want to be, um, the better. Like if you're, it's not like none of these are absolutely necessary, but if you can paint your walls, um, to, to be something other than the brown wood, you know, um, something like the, or the basic drywall, some paint, the paint, the drywall, uh, throw a TV in there. Um, it's nice to be able to have on the weekends. If, like I said, I, I, I enjoy Saturday afternoon workouts and Sunday with football on or some sort of sports on, um, Uh, yeah, you can get a basic stereo system, but whatever you need to do to make it a place that you feel comfortable in. 
mm-hmm. um, is the better. And like, like I, we have, um, I have a six year old daughter and a newborn. Um, Congrats. A couple months. Um, but like, it's the weather's starting to get a little bit um, cooler up here in Indiana. So, I mean, it, it's very comfortable. So like I've been working out and the whole family's just been like in the driveway or, um, in the gym with me. Um, and it's like just a hangout spot. So it doesn't make me feel like, let's just say it's Saturday afternoon. I don't really feel that guilty going out and doing a workout, you know? Yeah. So, and because you've created that space, like now everybody in the family is seeing you do you know, physical exercise and something positive for yourself. And you're setting that example for your kids right there in your house versus if you were out at a gym, nobody knew what you were doing. You know, maybe they, maybe they get involved in fitness. Maybe they don't, but you're modeling for that for them every weekend, every, every, you know, every week that you're exercising now. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Like painting your walls, um, the flooring, putting a TV in there, maybe like putting some kind of like comfortable, chair that you're actually more likely to sit in. Yeah. Uh, or mirror, you know, mirror is a good one. Yeah. You can get a, um, one of those like closet mirrors at target for $3 and just, that's what mm-hmm. we have in our, in our garage. You don't have to get something famous, something famous, something expensive, yeah. <laughs> uh, but all these little things add up and, you know, being here in Texas, heat is a big factor. So if you know that you're not going to want to go out and train when it's super hot out there, then, um, plan for that, you know, get a couple fans. Those you can get those at tractor supply company. Also, when you get your uh, horse stall mats <laughs> yeah, or, or home Depot, um, yeah, these little things add up to making you want to be out there, which ultimately leads to more consistency, which ultimately leads to you getting better results. Um, I saw this on your website also in this is the trick that we use also get yourself a leaf blower. That's your best friend for fighting off the inevitable cobwebs and dust that forms around the edges of equipment. Definitely. (laughs) And yeah, I have a, I have a dog too. So like it's easy way to get the dog hair out, the leaves blow in. Yeah. And it takes just a few minutes. So last thing I want to bring up um, is for the person that is handy and needs to save some money. What are maybe two or three things that you've seen the best DIYs out there for that somebody might consider doing? Um, the best, um, I've partnered with, um, Kazon DIY, um, on some articles for the website and he lives in my area. Um, so we actually have quite a bit of DIY resources on the website. Um, but I mean, I would say just like things like storage, mm-hmm. um, getting stuff off the wall, you can save some money, um, plyo box, um, let's see. Storage has got to be a huge one. Storage is the big one. Storage, storage is, is expensive. Practical. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody wants to like pay a hundred dollars to get some barbell plate storage, you know, that's not a fun thing to spend your money on. You want things that you can actually use. Um, yeah, we're going so, to spend a thousand dollars on a, uh, a rack for your bumper plates. It's like, man, am yeah. I really going to spend a thousand dollars on the storage? Yeah. That's um, gotta be a huge one. And the plyo boxes, like you said, there's tons of templates online for how to make yeah. your cuts. 
yeah, plyo box, um, storage, you can make a good deadlift platform if like you really don't have, if you're, if you're primarily a power lifter, that might be the best way for you to do it. Um, and yeah, you don't really there's, wanna, yeah, there's some good ones out there too. If you want to build, um, you know, a, a platform to set your power rack onto that has a nice rubber strip down the middle. So the bench doesn't slide yeah. and, and basically what you would see in a, in a commercial gym. And I think mm -hmm. you could probably build that for less than a couple hundred dollars in yeah. the materials. Yeah. And I know a lot of people like there are the types that they, even if they have the funds, um, with a, the, when you're doing something like DIY storage, you can cater it to like what kind of equipment you have. So rather than something with three pegs, you can make something with six pegs. Um, or if your ceiling height is, if you're dealing with issues with your ceiling height or whatever, you can kind of create something that fits the amount of weight that you have or yeah, just whatever space you, you have rather than dealing with the, the, whatever the companies are selling these days. Yeah. You do a really good job on your social media of sharing pictures of other people's, uh, garages and gyms. I mean, that's basically mostly what your content is. So I've definitely, I've stolen ideas off there and customized it to, uh, to fit my space and my equipment. So, um, I'll definitely link to your Instagram account in the show notes for this. Um, but before we go, like, why don't you just tell everybody the best way to find you in general? And, um, if they want to connect with you and or pick your brain anymore, how should they reach out? Yeah, the, simply um, check out Garage Gym Experiment on Instagram. Um, it's it's that's kind of the the main focus. That's kind of the how the account her how Garage Gym Experiment has grown over the years. It's, it it has a lot of DIY projects, um, space examples, general tips, um, and a lot of that stuff can really inspire you as you build out your home gym and also keep you motivated as you're doing uh, your home gym workouts. Um, and then also the, uh, the kind of outline that the most of the outline that we discussed on this call with specific product recommendations and um, the overall home gym guide you can find on the homepage at garagegymexperiment.com. So yeah, <laughs> be careful when you got when you guys go on Jake's website, it's kind of like, it might be a bit of a time suck because you're like, Ooh, this is good. I got to keep reading. This is good. This, this page takes me to here. Oh, I can learn more about this. <laughs> yeah, we, I have, there's, there are, um, a few guides that are some lengthy reads. I'm in the process of kind of creating something, some stuff a little bit more consolidated. Um, and then if you ever have any questions, just, uh, you can email, send the email to jake at garagegymexperiment.com or send a, an Instagram direct message. Happy to help in any way I can. Good deal, man. Well, I know that people listening to this will uh, be fired up to go start their garage gym or fill in the gaps after listening to this. So I really appreciate your time, man. Absolutely. Thanks for All having right. me. You bet.